Welcome to Season 2, Episode 29 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, we just got the regular crew with us. It's Matt Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler, both back with me. Yeah. Hey, guys. And today is Cinco de Mayo, as we are kind of recording this, and it also happens to be Revenge of the Fifth to a lot of Star Wars fans, which is now this apparent follow-up to May the 4th, which is kind of Star Wars Day, which has just gone down. And because of that, we now have a bunch of new Star Wars stuff to talk about because it has just been May the 4th. And then an exciting one it was. We got a bunch of new stuff, details about where the franchise is headed next, some much-needed confirmations. And the finale of Clone Wars has come, and we have a lot to talk about with that. But we're not just going to do Star Wars today. We got to, you know, this is Comic Book Nation. So we got to talk about a WWE star who could be coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, making Matt's job a little more secure for 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester That's Stallone great. shocks the world with a casual drop that Jeez. one of our favorite cult movies could be coming back for a sequel. And we're going to talk about the finale of Westworld. Uh, some movies you should be maybe watching, some comic stuff, because Matt's here and comics are creeping back, and Matt continues his attempt at gaming supremacy with a review of Street of Page 4, so we're going to take care of all of that as well. So, all right, so right at the top, we got to talk. Like I said, yesterday was May the 4th, and May the 4th be with both of you, but that's over now. Now it's time for review. As with you. And uh, we got to talk about what happened on the Star Wars front, so... The first thing that we got in our kind of the biggest and best thing in our Star Wars Day reveals was the fact that Lucasfilm confirmed that a new movie is being made with none other than acclaimed Marvel filmmaker slash the Mandalorian star Taika Waititi is going to be making a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And we put like horns right here, like yeah. burr, burr, burr. That, that deserves that. I don't great. know if Taika would appreciate that, but I mean, we can. <laughs> he likes to club. Come on. Yay, right. yay. So <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, Taika's directed Jojo Rabbit, Hunt for the Wild Peeper, Thor Ragnarok. He's going to be directing Thor Love and Thunder and apparently kind of uh, directing and co writing this new Star Wars movie with a screenplay by who's also with uh, Christy Wilson uh, Cairns. Uh, and she just wrote, who also just wrote the Oscar-nominated 1917, which was one of the most awesome cinematic experiences I've had in years. What a combo. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to, that's a great combination right there. I mean, the kind of story and the kind of just sequences and stuff that this could be, could be really exciting. But it's really kind of exciting for us because Taika Waititi is, of course, like one of the hottest kind of uh, filmmakers out right now. He's kind of this, new wave of very diverse filmmakers that are getting a shot in Hollywood finally. And, you know, he's done great things with kind of taking genre and turning it on its head to create fun stuff like what we do in the shadows, which was a great movie. And is now like one of my, I love that show. And of course what he did with Thor Ragnarok at once taking that Thor franchise when it was dead and turning it into something that was both comedic, but underneath the comedy was also some very good social commentary about colonialism and immigration and all that stuff that, you know, that didn't piss off the masses, which is really hard to do these days. Yeah. Blockbuster entertainment. So Very true. And he was also just great in The Mandalorian, both directing episodes uh, and, and as a He did the, the last episode, right? The, uh, the season finale? I, I think, don't want to say it for sure because I can't remember if he or Dave... I think he did the season yeah. finale. I don't um, remember. You guys can check, check on that, but I'm pretty sure he did, which 
if he did, I do remember like having so many different elements of like comedy and then also, you know, the serious side, the action, like it was so well balanced. That was probably one of my favorite episodes. Of the well, whole if you're season. right, Janelle, I'm about to click it. If you're right, you've come very far. Oh, and very impressive. And if not, you're going to Star Wars jail with Brandon. Oh, no. ba, ba, ba. I'm so scared. <laughs> Director was Taika Waititi. Score. Yeah. Do we have an applause track? Do we have an applause track? I'm yes, a we real do. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well Thank done. you for the slow clap. Uh, yes, very good, Janelle. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Taika Waititi did do the finale, which was like, yes, one of the best episodes of the series. So, yeah. you know, looking forward to seeing what else he could do. And like Janelle said, uh, kind of the humor, the kind of the action, the drama, it, it was all really well balanced, especially in that finale episode. So... And cool, cool sequences. Like I, I always forget his name of his droid in the show IG88 because there's oh my god, this is where but he plays. So, is he voices really him, right? Star Wars guys, IG11. Um, IG11. Yeah, <sighs> IG11 and his droid uh, in that sequence, like him and Baby Yoda on the bike and all that stuff. Like Baby Yoda. Yeah. Baby so Yoda. seeing yeah. that kind of stuff, seeing him bring that more of that to Star Wars would be is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, so, the guy made a movie that was about Hitler. And blended that with comedy and like like for someone to be able to take that kind of premise yeah. and turn it on its head, that's uh, that's like but that's but, impressive to apply to something like Star Wars, which has been Well, let's not do that because that kind of messed Taika Waititi up I'm trying to do Jojo Rabbit. I think that was a, a little bit much on him. Even oh, but it was so good though. It. it was so I didn't good. See it. But he he had some definite uh hang-ups about about you know, yeah. in that movie. So we don't need to go that serious with it, but like, we just need some good mix of like, you know, something that means something, but it's also fun adventure action. You know, that's star Wars to me um, yeah. and, and kind of do it with it in a new way. So I'm really excited about that. Me too. The, uh, the other kind of big thing, we discussed this on the show where Matt taught us all who Dr. Afra was at the time uh, when we heard that there was going to be a new star Wars series being made. And that's coming to Disney Plus from um, Leslie Headland, who is uh, kind of the mind behind Bachelorette and Netflix's the movie Bachelorette, not the Bachelorette. <laughs> yeah, the, there's the already Lord. some people going, down. what? Yeah, pipe, pipe down, you two. Like, yeah. Thank God. Don't get too excited. Uh, Thank God. Like, and the yeah, final rose is a lightsaber. <laughs> like, is it a princess competition? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Leslie Headland, no. The movie Bachelorette. Which is a <laughs> it's just a bunch of Jedis thing. getting like asking for one more minute. Rose. Can I have oh. a moment, please? Thank you. Yes. Can I steal him for a sec? <laughs> Just about one woman trying to tempt a bunch of Jedi. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that was not me. My lightsaber went off. But anyway. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> so Leslie Hadlin, uh, to get back to it, also did Russian Doll, uh, the uh, Netflix show Russian Doll. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Leslie Hadlin is a curious choice because so she was made, uh, she's going to be doing a Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. This was something we knew about. The trades kind of got wind of this, but now Lucasfilm has confirmed it. Like they, But it was odd. They didn't say in their confirmation that it, I noted that it was a female-focused show. They didn't kind of make that note, but that's what okay. the trades were saying when the original kind of news leaked to the trades. 
um, right. that it would be female focused, but Lucasfilm has not come out and said that yet. And uh, Matt told us about Dr. Afra as a thing as one of the fan favorite people people would want to see this series be about. And more I've actually read up on her and kind of getting into the comics this week. Same, like, yeah. It's, uh, it, that's an exciting premise for a show. Seems really cool. Um, and if you don't know, I'll give you the simple non-Matt version, which is that she is an archaeologist <laughs> and adventurer who was hired by Darth Vader after the Battle of Yavin, which is when Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star in A New Hope, um, to track down uh, artifacts that we can presume are probably Sith artifacts that Darth Vader wants for some, you know, Darth Vader-y reason. And she kind of takes that job and, and has him as her boss. Um, but is of course, that a new Darth vader yeah. Is that a new expression? Darth vader reason, yeah. I love that. Because uh, you can't really understand what he's doing. You know? <laughs> you know, he's got his own ways of doing things. Um, let's talk about Clone Wars at the end of this. But um, yeah, so she runs afoul. And eventually her boss, you know, she decides maybe working for the Sith isn't the greatest thing in the world. So then she's now an archaeologist adventurer on the run from Darth Vader, which is a tight spot to be in. Um, but yeah, so she also has a squad of killer assassin droids, a Wookiee. Like it's it's a like a little fun filled, you know, ragtag family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little a little I Firefly. Have a Firefly meets national treasure, some Vadery stuff thrown in, you're good. It has a very Rogue One like feel if you took some <sighs> of the like tent, you know, like some of the overly tent stuff out of Rogue One if you took like I those. love Rogue One. Too. But like it has that kind of group. That group yeah. is very much in that. Yeah. Anyway, Janelle, you were saying sorry to me. Well, I was wondering, and please don't get upset with me if I, I might not have read this correctly. Is are these all live action that we're hearing about all these releases or are yes, any of them animated? Both, okay. No, these are both live action. This is a live action series and a live action movie. Yeah. Right. How dare you. Okay, cool. Upset. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you don't know your Lucas film, I mean, Lucas film animation. <laughs> How dare you. It's, but it is. We just gave you praise for coming so far. Now we just take it all back. Wow. I feel like it like right back people down. don't even specify in the articles or anything because it's so obvious and I'm this idiot that keeps asking yeah, no, it's, questions. It's like, that... I mean, it's kind of like Marvel and Marvel TV. Like people okay. let you know if it's Lucasfilm. And okay. Yeah. Because cool. if you don't, people like jump down your throat about it. But, yeah, <laughs> That's but... why I was like, please don't kill me. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they're going to kill you either way. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> already comments saying, get her off the show. She's not a real Star Wars fan. You know, how I it. had Ariana Grande fans come after me for responding to a tweet I'm about. Sorry. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I read no, that article was, and I'm so sorry. No, it was, that's a whole nother thing. But uh, <laughs> I was just like, man, we need to get out of quarantine because people are getting crazier and crazier on the internet right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't handle all you two's beefs. But. I love Ariana Grande. <laughs> I just don't like her as Meg <laughs> and Hercules. Just because you wear a high ponytail yo, doesn't Yo, yo, at Janelle yes. Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Like you can direct all that over there. Um, all right. So finally on the star Wars front, uh, this wasn't from the star Wars day. We're going to get into the clone wars kind of recap later on in our deep dive segment. But uh, one thing that was kind of, uh, was kind of interesting is that uh, <laughs> in the rise of Skywalker novel, junior novelization, not even the regular novel is getting rid. So, okay. So rise of Skywalker came out and <laughs> Like, it, it threw this crazy story at us that had more holes than explanations. So ever since, we've been trying to fill in gaps. Like, we're just, like, had a drunk boyfriend, and now we're trying to, like, plaster holes in our wall in our apartment because, <laughs> uh, because JJ just punched all this stuff in here. And so, like, now we're trying to plaster all these holes with, like, other explanations from comic books and novels. So there's been a whole campaign of reading to do just to fill in what 
the hell the rise of Skywalker has been about. If you're just not keeping count, we've had the visual book had to fill in some gaps. The rise of Kylo Ren had to fill in some gaps, that comic series. Um, The official novel filled in a whole bunch of gaps that changed the entire movie around. Like Palpatine's a clone now. Like, yeah, it was all this stuff. So now we're down to the junior novel and we're still getting (laughs) new Star Wars revelations out of that that they didn't tell us in the movie. And this one is basically uh, that the rule of two, the thing that has governed the Sith since the collapse of the Sith Empire is apparently BS. Uh, They pulled a a cruel, they were just being sarcastic with it. Like the whole rule of two, it was all sarcasm (laughs) just to test people. Um, But really what it was, was it it was kind of, they explained it away as saying basically that they went with the rule of two to fool the Jedi into thinking there's only two Sith when there could be many more but to focus on like this idea of there only being two, right? Fooled you, gotcha. Um, but basically, like what this has this has had to happen is because they got tired of how many times in the franchise dark side users were showing up as major villains, and then having to be like, "But wait, is, is this a Sith? Because like there's two. Yeah. But, like, how does that work? And like, what? Like, how is there Count Dooku and Darth Maul and Sidious and like, how is Asajj Ventress in this? And like, and people were just getting. I mean, it was getting too crazy to be like, well, they're not Sith, but they're dark side users. So like, yeah. And then you have the Inquisitors and Rebels who are like this whole powerful dark side users hunting down Jedi. And it's like, so are these Sith lords? And they're like, well, no, they're just powerful force. You. And it's like, okay, this is getting stupid. I, so, I like, understand doing this, right? Because, yeah, of all the reasons you listed of, like, this is essentially just make it easier on us to keep yeah. expanding this universe and I have to jump through nine hoops to get a new character in and just call them Sith. However, it is weird that, like, it gets dropped here. Like, it's... Novels. Right? Like, it seems... That's a pretty big thing to just drop in there. Like, it would have made sense if it was in the Kylo Ren book or if it was in the regular novelization. Like, those... It makes sense. But like here, just to slip it in seems really weird. That's a really big deal kind of oh, yeah. reveal. I can tell you from like the site reaction we've had on the site, it is a big deal. People are just like, <laughs> what? Like, what? <laughs> like, but this is Star it's Wars. very, I'm confused. I've read the article like three times over and I'm, uh, for a, for a novice for someone who doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, we gave you, we is, just put you on this pedestal. We were like, dude, come up. The TV, the movies, like I, I'm, I'm good. But when we start all right. adding all the books and all the graphic novels well, and uh, it's just, I, well, someone Brandon. just shorthand it for us. Well, female Brandon Davis, I will explain this to you. Here Thank we go. You. Wow. Hey, and I will yeah. listen and so study. Shady. I will take notes. <laughs> I will shit. learn. They, they, we were, we at least we're centering them all on one block now. Like we're getting them all <laughs> centered on one block in area of Nashville. So there we go. But here, okay. So here is how it breaks down. It is confusing, and I'm just messing with you, you know. Um, like it is confusing. So here, here is yeah. Okay, so in the back of the day, they, okay, so there's two sides to the force, right? The Jedi are the good guys. The the dark side users are called Sith, and they're the bad guys. Back in back in yeah. ancient times, they were basically two armies. The Jedi won mm-hmm. the big war between them and basically eradicated the Sith. But mm-hmm. one of them survived, and be and his name was Darth Bane. Don't actually be confused with Batman Bane, but like yes, I know basically. <laughs> instituted this rule that of called the rule of two which was because the sith are all kind of evil doers and schemers and stuff he felt that the reason their empire collapsed is because they kept screwing each other over and tripping each other up 
by Got trying it. to get power from one another. So basically he said there should only be two. There's a master and an mm. apprentice, right? And there should only be, at, at any given time, there should only be two. And now we stick to the shadows and we don't like make ourselves known. And there's a master and there's an apprentice. And the master is really the, the I mastermind. I always knew the master apprentice. I just didn't realize it was a yeah. rule. Like yeah, it was it's called like, the rule of two. Yeah, I didn't um, understand that. And okay. so that kind of has been the rule gov- in, in governing the franchise. But as Star Wars has gotten bigger and there's had to be more kind of novels and cartoons and comics, of course, you know, all these stories needed new villains to fight and stuff like that. So you needed a bunch of red lightsabers to go with the green and the blues and the purples um, and all that stuff. And so each time there was a new kind of red lightsaber person, we had to have this conversation about, well, how does this fit the rule of two? Because if your Star Wars Rebels is an animated series that takes place during the, in the early, before when Luke Skywalker is like a little boy, and so there's Darth Sidious, Palpatine, and Darth Vader, those are two. So how is there this whole squad of people called Inquisitors who are Jedi hunters with red lightsabers and use the dark side of the Force? So what are they considered? And it was just becoming this increasingly annoying conversation until... In a junior novel, they've now kind of <laughs> gone back. Also, can, we establish, yeah. can we establish that uh, the I understand the whole like the the idea of of them being in the shadows and like hiding from the Jedi so that the Jedi are never really sure where the attacks are coming from and stuff. That all, that all is fine. However, right. how stupid do you have to be if you're like an entire Jedi enforcement force to not know that there are more than two? Can we just like this make like this reveal also makes the Jedi look like completely incompetent oh, wow. protectors even, even more because you have to remember <laughs> wow like throughout the prequel trilogy they're not convinced that the Sith are back. yes exactly so yep. there's all these people running around like it, it exists everywhere else like the Marvel has right the hand mm-hmm. and like other things shadowy organizations Voldemort. that you, yeah <laughs> that you know are around yes. and you know are manipulating things but you can't pin them that right. I get this says. Oh no, we don't believe there are more than two out there, and it's like, how how dense are you? There's so well, many Jedi. It's the thing that is the thing that's crazy is it the the rule of two is known, like because they say it in the Phantom Menace, but there's never been a real good explanation as to why the Jedi even know this at all. Yeah, because they eliminated the Sith, and are thought like Sith masters were gone until Sidious revealed that, you know, he was still around. And so it's kind of this thing I wrote about in this article called, like, you know, things that this High Republic thing that they're launching this summer, Star Wars and the books, which takes place like 100 years or 50 years before the prequels. Like, one of the things they got to explore is, how did this whole thing with the Sith get muddled up? Like, because Darth Bane was like a thousand years before that, so the Sith have still been surviving all that time. Yeah. and doing stuff until you get to Darth Sidious. And he got trained by Darth Plagueis, who got trained by somebody, who got trained by somebody. And so, like, they are around through the High Republic. So how is it that, like, we get to the time of Anakin Skywalker and everybody's still like, yeah, no, Sid, we, got, we don't even got to be worried about that. Like, it just makes Yoda yeah. and the most of the Jedi we're supposed to love look increasingly bad. Yeah, because they um, look yeah. like they're incompetent, you know. And also, can is. we address that the names were so much cooler back then? Because we got Plagueis and Sidious, Ugh. and then we get Palpatine and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, who? <laughs> Those are rent a Sith. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> Vader brought, like, justice back, oh, but, like, my- that's God. ridiculous, man. Costco. Yeah. So, 
Are you guys not satisfied with this, with the answer to the rule of two? I think, I mean, the continuity of Star Wars, I've just, I now, part of my living is trying to explain that Star Wars continuity is a mess to people. Um, and they're just kind of making it up That's as they go along. That's why it's good to just kind of be like me and just like it for what's in front of, right? Like just kind of uh, buy into the world that. that you're currently watching. I'm not co-signing any of that, but okay. yes, maybe. I think, it's- no, I think it is good to be Janelle. <laughs> well, I do. I really do buy into whatever I'm watching. Like, yeah, no, is, I, I don't, a, I'm not if, as if critical Star Wars simple, of, like, yeah. yeah. Star Wars I, simple, it's okay. okay. I think it, I think what this does do though, is this uh, very much like with that new High Republic series, they can really, like Kofi said, start to kind of untangle some of this mess mm. and, and give themselves a clean slate That's a little such bit. Such a good way to put it. If they do it right. Cause it needs it. Cause this is a mess. Like this has become <laughs> trying to explain cables backstory to people. Like this has yeah. become that messy <laughs> and it's, you know, every conversation goes, well, you got to start here. And, and we got to start a conversation with like, well, so here's what the writers wanted to do. That's a bad, that's a bad sign. Like you always have to start with like explaining like what happened behind the scenes before you get to the actual meat. And that got it. They okay. could, they could totally do. I think in this case, your approach actually is probably makes for a more enjoyable experience because you're not constantly like seeing all the holes. I was, I'm a consumer uh, of the movies. Like, yeah. obvious. I, I grew up on the movies. I really I'm going to tell and, you why later, yeah. but like, yeah. If you, I'm sorry for you if that's, if that's the truth to everybody out there, Star Wars, because yeah, Clone Wars and all that stuff, like, it makes also it very good. Though. Yeah. So I'm actually right. really excited to start that because you you're just so passionate about it that I'm really pumped. Thanks, but uh, we're going to yeah. move on from Star Wars for right now. We'll be back. But uh, Matt is very excited. He's hopping with Joy over here. He wants to talk about something. WWE start coming to the MCU. Matt, tell everybody. I'm very excited. Why? Because uh, in addition to uh, Becky Lynch making her, like, not acting debut, but essentially being in another big show in Billions on Showtime this past weekend, uh, someone is reporting. We're getting reports. This is not official, but we are getting reports that Becky Lynch has been cast in a new Marvel movie. We have no idea what the Marvel Who's movie spells? is. Uh, we have no idea what the role Like on is. me, not the movie. <laughs> <laughs> or like how big it is. You know, we don't know if this is going to like, I imagine this is not a lead role, but who knows? Maybe it is. Uh, it could just be like an appearance type thing. Um, kind of thinking like, you know, Gina Carano type character yeah. in Mandalorian. Like it would be like, like a, a warrior, like in yeah. uh, or something like that. Something like that. Now, it's um, like a background it, warrior. Yeah, exactly. And still yeah. a cool part. You know, like it could be a really cool part. And she's definitely got the personality to like carry that. I'm excited, uh, mostly because uh, if you go to comicbook.com, you can see me essentially like nerd out and look through a bunch of people she could play, uh, kind of fitting Ooh. into that role. My biggest hope is that uh, I know this is probably a little too, it, it depends on what you consider big character a cult favorite in the marvel universe is elsa bloodstone if you look at becky lynch and just like take her personality and everything that like she is in the ring and stuff into account and merge those two they'd be the same person like she'd be a a badass with a coat like a trench coat and a monster hunter. Yeah. like how cool is that That'd you can put so her in a cool. bunch of stuff uh she could yeah. fit in a bunch of different franchises i'm hoping again that's not based on anything but my own just like wants <laughs> But I am I am stoked uh, because really, if you look at the WWE, we've had Batista make the jump to Drax. Uh, we've had Roman Reigns kind of made his recent thing in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, of course, we have The Rock. John Cena is going to be in Fast and Furious. Like, there's a lot of 
precedent for like WWE stars kind of coming over and really like knocking acting parts out of the, out of the park when they get Wait, like John Cena's going to be in Fast and Furious. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's going to play Dom's brother. How do you know that? What do you mean? Wasn't it in the it's in was, the trailer? Yeah, it's in the trailer. I didn't see any of that. And and we talked about it, but we said that it, it's kind of weird because they don't look related in no. any way. <laughs> Never and, mind. No, it's one of those like, huh? But like, whatever. Like how? Yeah, Why? Like, is he, he was, Swedish? Like, he was essentially. Like, hey, stop. Let me shut down this conversation because you guys just didn't get the joke. It was a John Cena oh. joke. But oh, son of a gun. I didn't get that. Oh, well, no. All right. You so, even did the well can't see me yeah, hand I know, thing I know. for the podcast it's listeners. Well yeah. He did it. That's our fault. That was, we absolutely did bad. not catch no, it. Moving right along. Becky Lynch in the MCU. Wow. Now that Matt killed this topic, we're going to move right along. That was big. Sorry. Stallone did a live Instagram Q&A the other day. And, you know, He's funny. Sly is funny because he just starts talking about the past and stuff like that and the glory days. But then he just kind of like drops information that, you know, the world wants to know that he's just like, oh, you're right. It was like one sentence. He barely even muttered it. But basically, we're getting like a Demolition Man sequel is apparently in the works. So there you go, world. Yes. I'm so excited. I want to know what these three chief like these three shells are all about. Yeah. I want to know what these shells are all about. I it it just looks so but cool. If you don't know that, you weren't alive in the 90s and didn't respect yeah. Demolition. I acknowledge that one. That was good. I yeah, remember I, like I missed, sneaking and watching that movie. I missed the Cena one, but I picked that one up. I just want to know. Demolition Man is known for two things, Rat Burgers and the Three Shells. Three I shells. just Can I just get, where is my Cobra remake? That was rumored so long ago, oh. and he's been working on that. It seems like the same amount of time he's been working on this. I, like, I feel like Sylvester Stallone just has so many franchises that you forget about, you mm-hmm. know, like just in his back pocket. And it's just every couple of years, he's like, yeah, we're getting a Nighthawks reboot. Like, yeah, we're just going to work on this. And he's like, and he always does one of those things of like, oh, we're not just talking about it. Like, oh, it's in production. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be good. I have, here's the big thing though. He never says, I mean, it's a very quick quote, but like, does Snipes have to be in this for you to like feel it's legit? Or can it just be Stallone? Well, the whole thing was based on their rivalry. Like he was the first one to take him down. And then that's why he has to take him down again. Right. So like, I mean, if if Snipes like sits this one out, I don't know why he would. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I we need some snipes. Right? It all just I'm has saying, to. All I'm saying is, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think a lot of people today qualify Wesley Snipes and the word necessary together. Oh. That's true. Unless you're talking about Blade. Yeah. I Seems mean, like everybody. Even, just that, even that we've moved on from. So, Can I get a I Passenger 57 remake? I always. Hey. That's a good movie. I love that movie. I mean, I would um, love to see them together again, but you're right. I think it could live on, you know, with a different villain. Yeah. It just I mean, depends on what the story, you know, what they're rocking. I mean, it would be good to see him back again. I mean, it'd be funny yeah. if him old as hell doing this, but uh, <laughs> that would be more funny if it was tongue in cheek like that with some good action than trying to like yeah. cast or do son of whatever. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, Demolition Man could be coming. That's great. That is one of the most fun kind of cult classic 90s movies where you tell people like the combination you say it out loud now and you're just like what it's like the Sylvester Stallone oh my gosh uh, Wesley Snipes and Sandra Sandra Bullock, oh god Dennis that's Leary right. with Dennis Leary as yes. also, like a major oh my character gosh, yeah. like yeah it, it was nuts 
And I'm probably going to watch this. I need to see if it's uh, streaming anywhere during quarantine. The concept of it was just nuts. It was just like, yeah. So fun. Guys in near apocalyptic future have like a crime, criminal cop thing. They get frozen. They wake up in the distant future and they go at it again because mm-hmm. they're like cavemen. It was just yeah. Like the 90s imagine, But like the cops don't know how to defend because there's no crime left in the world. So the 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 police officers won't handle anything. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's a great premise. It's so good. Uh, You know, it's it's so fun. I I just hope that... Murder, death, kill? I kind of hope it does well (laughs) when it comes out so that I can get like a Tango and Cash. Yeah. That's another one that's like so ridiculously of its You're always pushing your crazy agenda on this show. Yes, I am. It's great. No, we're going to move on now. So when we come back, we're going to get into our deep dive today about the finales of Clone Wars, Westworld. We got some comics to talk and we're going to talk about a film that uh, you horror fans should be checking out that we're coming way late to, but, you know, still worth talking. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for all of that. Okie dokie, Smokey. So, starting right here, we'll talk about uh, Westworld first, just because, uh, you know, for the people. We're just coming off some excitement, so let's do something a little down. Uh, So, Westworld ended season three with a very long episode that I fell asleep to at first. I had to wake up the next day and finish because it was... I mean, I, I mean, I found a lot of the season, to be honest. I didn't really enjoy Westworld season three. I found it boring. I can agree with you on that. Um, I, I mean, I even put in the show notes, is this, sh- is this show still worth watching? Was like our main kind of question for this segment. So anyway, Westworld season three came and we got some quote unquote twists that we found out that our MacGuffin didn't even exist in this whole time that Dolores, and there's going to be spoilers for the end of Westworld season three, because mm-hmm. if you care uh, why are you even not watching it by now? So <laughs> anyway, so we found out that Dolores didn't have this magical, all important key that Serac was looking for in her mind. Um, it was all a bluff. Uh, I, I don't she even, had at one point, she just yeah, gave it away. Yeah, I, I don't even like, honestly, it's been hard for me to even piece back together. What the hell this season was even about, like what the overarching storyline is. Um, basically, well, yeah, because they undermined basically the whole thing at the end of this one episode. Yeah, but there's and there's also like the just like a bunch of like f- just half-assed twists in here, like or just extra information yeah. that we don't need. Yeah. So anyway, Sarag was building this big AI thing that calculated data about everything, so he could control humanity, kind of like the hosts were controlled in the park, and that was the whole connection. That since the beginning of this show, he was using Westworld as a way of perfecting a method of gathering gathering data on people for this big AI system he built that gathered data on everybody in the world, so it could control the world to keep it from humanity from falling over the precipice by controlling, you know, how people's futures went. Um, outliers, quote unquote, he would just kind of kidnap and cryo freeze or kill just to keep them from disrupting society if they look like they were going to be antagonists. Yeah, yeah, lot, yeah boxes. So, yeah, basically like a cryo freeze thing. So yeah. basically demolition man. So yeah. <laughs> um, so like yeah, and so he had this master plan, um, and he needed the kind of final data from Westworld to kind of complete this algorithm or whatever that would allow him to basically control the fate of humanity. Um, and it was in Dolores's head, but not really. It wasn't really in her head. She gave it away. Yeah, and so she was using Aaron Paul's character because he was this guy who was a soldier 
uh, and then became a soldier of fortune to kind of help with the outlier program. That was like a big quote unquote reveal. He was a guy who snatched up, he was a black bag man who snatched up people and helped this program kind of purify the world. Mm-hmm. But when he find and he killed his best friend who was like his little AI kind of therapist buddy. And he, because he took all these pills to not remember all these horrible things he did, he didn't really know who he had become. It was memento and all that stuff. Thanks, Jonathan Nolan. But uh, <laughs> he's a showrunner on this. So it was a little bit of memento in there. So anyway, so he finds out that Dolores selected him to kind of ruin humanity by causing humanities, uploading a program that would actually cause humanity's downfall. We didn't have that happen, but kind of Dolores contact, made contact with uh, Maeve, you know, uh, what's her name? Fanny Newton's character who was hired by the guy to kind of hunt Dolores down because she's the other super robot. And she basically is now going to help Aaron Paul's character kind of set humanity free or has let humanity... A huge twist was yeah. that Maeve was against Dolores and then literally at the very end she flip-flops after Dolores is completely drained and basically Dead. deleted. Yeah. Memory is just everything deleted off of Dolores. And then that's the, I mean, I think that's the, the biggest twist of the whole episode is that Maeve actually decides to go Rambo and just kill off everyone in the room that she was working for and yeah, but it was, I walk mean, out right, the door like, with our soldier friend. Yeah, but that was not even start like a, a new world. <laughs> I mean, I like you knew that was coming from the beginning. Like, I didn't ever think Maeve was really going to help. I so didn't think she was going to do that, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I honestly didn't like, know what just, I had. No expectations. Yeah, there but, is no expectations to have. Yeah, I. What so. really the only thing that really kind of just bothered me was that we didn't get like any. First of all, the the man in black. He's my favorite character, and he's been replaced with, you know... Yeah, well, I was going to get to that. Yeah, so yeah. at the very end, the only good things, because we know this show's been renewed for season four, and the only good things that kind of redeem it are, are there were some interesting post-credit scenes. Um, mm-hmm. The first one, which is you find out Dolores made copies of herself. That was like the big mid-season twist, that you find out all the other robots that escape Westworld are actually copies of Dolores that she just put herself into different bodies, basically. And one of them is... Tessa Thompson's character, Charlotte Hale, who ran the company that made Westworld. And she got blown up in one of the near season end episodes, but she survived. And she's the one who betrayed Dolores and kind of let her get captured and killed. So we find out in, a th- in the finale, the man in black, William, the guy who founded Delos and, and you know, and helped build Westworld. He, Ed, Ed Harris's character comes and he's trying to stop because he realizes that Charlotte, like, you know, that Dolores is still out there making more robots and he wants to stop them, but they kill him um, and replace him with his own robot copy. And the, you see the factory in the basement of the company startup. And basically what this version of Dolores, who is Charlotte slash Charlotte is going to do is basically manufacture her own copies. She's going to replace everybody in the world with robots. So that's, yeah. I thought the whole thing was going to be from the beginning, like from season one, I thought. But I'm so, I'm so upset. I hope we don't lose Vincent because he is so great. Dude, he's dead AF. That dude's dead AF. That was like Uh, a one-off villain role. He like, he's gone. Vincent Cassell's stuck with this. He was just so good on the show. He was a great villain and he had a really just stupid ending. So Yep, I agree. It was such a cop out. That was the other twist. You find out he's not really a man. This charismatic villain guy is not really a guy. He was the AI program using him as a puppet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just so telling him what to do. But it, I think that he like elects to follow. Like he, he like truly believes well, he as was, a human. Well, it showed that he this. was crazy at the end. He thought it was his brother, uh-huh. like that he had preserved like everything yeah. about his brother in there. So he thought that his dead brother was talking to him and he was just a nutcase. But, right. Like, yeah. So, and then yeah, the Bernard yeah, like cliffhanger post credit scene is that Bernard went to like robot heaven to go. Cause that's where Maeve is trying to get where she sent like her daughter and stuff was his digital heaven basically. And he's been trying to get there. And so he goes in and he puts on this headset and he says, he's going to go check out robot heaven and find a way there. Um, and so the last post credit scene is he wakes up in the hotel room where he put it on his head, but it looks like an insane amount of time has passed because it's covered in dust. And it sounds almost like there's like bombs or something going off outside it sounds like like it's a very different world that he came back to and that he's been gone for a very long time because um, Bernard's, of course, a robot. So he's been just out of commission for who knows how long. So it sounds like season four could be a very interesting place because basically what Maeve and Aaron Paul do is cause anarchy and give people true freedom of their fates. But they immediately, I mean, it doesn't go well. Like people start, you know, freaking out. Falls apart. Yeah, it kind of falls apart, um, society. And so we don't know like what it's going to be how many robot replacements there will be and what kind of world, you know, Westworld season four could open up. It could be yeah. an interesting place again, where, you know, actual surprises about what's real <laughs> and what's fake. And like the things we got into this show for are actually back and they were sorely missing from season three. Like really the, the more straightforward for everybody who said season two was too confusing. Thank you. We now have season three. So <laughs> right. hopefully we get more of a balance in season four again. Mm-hmm. So that was Westworld. All right, moving along from that, let's talk Clone Wars. So this is going to be major spoilers for the end of Star Wars Clone Wars. Um, yeah, Clone Wars came to an end, and even though like we knew where this show was going, obviously we knew it still has not like kind of lessened the power of these last episodes. And even though you might, some people have some kind of arguments about the pacing of this last season. Uh, there were about 12 episodes, and there were three arcs. There was uh, kind of a first about this expertise clone soldier of, of mutant clone soldiers and them working with Kenobi and Skywalker. Then there was this Ahsoka kind of personal story arc that people hated. And then this was the big finale arc was the kind of Revenge of the Sith interquel story about Ahsoka and Darth Maul and Order 66 and all that stuff. So this final episode picks up where the last two episodes are when Ahsoka has kind of dueled Darth Maul. She won. She captured him. And she was assigned to take him back to the Jedi Council on Coruscant uh, right before the events of Revenge of the Sith happened. So she has like one final meeting with Anakin and and Obi-Wan before she went to kind of capture Darth Maul. And when she comes back, she talks to Yoda and and, um, they did a great splice together from an exact scene from Revenge of the Sith where the Jedi Council is talking about figuring out, is beginning to figure out that Palpatine Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And that's when Mace Windu is like, I'm going to go confront this dude. And like Ahsoka walks in like right after that. And she kind of has this moment because Darth Maul told her that Anakin Skywalker was going to be turned, but she didn't believe him. So she didn't tell Yoda like what she heard. And so like that was like this big kind of moment of fate that like things could have gone the other way. And so she takes Darth Maul and she's going back to the Jedi Council on Coruscant, the home world where Anakin lives and the Jedi Temple is. Uh, And then Order 66 happens. But because Darth Maul told her that Sidious's plan was about to go down, um, and that all, everything in the galaxy was going to change. She feels the moment where, where Anakin kills Mace Windu, her master kills Mace Windu and turns to the dark side. And so she has a moment, like a second heads up she needs to 
survive getting killed in Order 66. And so the, the penultimate episode was her escaping into the ship. She's on a Star Destroyer and she frees Darth Maul and she frees Clone Trooper Rex, who's like the main clone trooper in Clone Wars, the good guy. And we know he survives into Rebels and because he lives in hiding. Um, he, didn't, he didn't get brainwashed by Order 66. So we figured out all that. So this last episode was just how did they get off the Star Destroyer and escape and like what, what that all is about. So it was pretty straightforward. It was just a nice action-packed episode of two people trying to escape a Star Destroyer while Darth Maul kind of just wrecks it and has this awesome like Rogue One Vader sequences where he just is walking through a starship, like murdering clone troopers using the Force. He doesn't even have a lightsaber. So he's just like crushing them and choking them and like That's slamming so awesome. things into them. And he walks the end room and just uses the force and just rips out the hyperspace drives while they're in oh hyperspace. Gosh. And they get pulled into a moon and they crash land. And so there's this awesome like Ahsoka crash. And some of the best sequences in Clone Wars are Ahsoka, like aerial stuff when things are like when ships are crashing, like how she just like hops from thing to thing to thing and then like gets back to the ground. So there's this awesome sequence of the ship crashing and her like and Rex surviving and barely making it. Um, but then we get to this big thing that has gotten people like in his nailed like Star Wars fans right in the feels, which is it ends in this epilogue where they're on the ground and they've crashed and they survive. Darth Maul escapes on a shuttle to go do whatever he's going to do in Solo and Rebels and all that other stuff. Um, but Ahsoka is she managed her own clone trooper division called the 501st. And that's who she was on the ship with who turned against her. And so she and Rex like create this grave site where they bury them all with these sticks in their helmets. Aww. Yeah, and she's just, like, watching it, and they, like, fly away because they have to repair the one shuttle that's, like, left on the ship, and they fly away. And so they fly away to go into hiding, and that's, like, the end of their story. But then there's an epilogue that cuts to years later, presumably, because it's all, like, snow-covered. The ship's buried. The graves are all kind of, like, iced over and stuff. And Darth Vader finally tracks down the ship, and you just see him walk out into the snow and when Ahsoka left, she, she had her lightsaber that Anakin had given her in her hand and she's holding it. And she decides that she didn't want to be a Jedi anymore. So she drops it in the snow and walks away and Darth Vader, or she drops it on the ground and walks away and Darth Vader sends it and he picks it up out of the snow and he kind of ignites it. And there's this awesome shot of him like in front of the graves, just holding it. And it's a blue lightsaber. And like, it's just him kind of holding a blue lightsaber and looking at it. And then he hears a bird cry overhead. And this is where you had to be like really watching. This is where it gets Star Wars on you. And we lose Janelle. So like there's a bird circling overhead and he looks up and he's just kind of staring at it. And then he just like puts down the lightsaber and he kind of walks away. And that's like the, in the end shot is this awesome shot of a clone trooper's helmet, like cracked and in the snow. And it's just like his reflection as it fades away after he walks far enough away. And I'm literally like, oh. Googling images of this because you're being so descriptive and I'm no, like, I have really to see this artwork. And it's all quiet. It's like, it's a very quiet episode at the end. There's like no music. It's just like sounds. Wow. And it's really great. It's like very meditative. Um, and the bird is a symbol of the daughter who is this, uh, the, the basic, the entity of the light side of the force who saved Ahsoka's life in this key story arc from clone wars that when anakin found out the prediction that he could become darth vader for the first time um and like it's basically became her symbol so the bird is always like a symbol of her and the light side of the force and so like anakin it's just like this moment where vader is kind of like remembering for a second like who he is or like who he was and then he just is kind of like f it and then he like kind of extinguishes and he walks off into like the snow and so like it was got and i set that all up to say clone wars is by far, now that it's done, 
the greatest Star Wars story in the whole series. Like, hands down, none. I watched the first movie that started it again, like, immediately after the ending. Yeah. And, like, yeah, when, when Anakin first meets Ahsoka as a little girl and they first becomes her Padawan. And, like, yeah, this series is just the greatest Star Wars story ever told. I have goosebumps. I'm, I'm going to, I got it. Like, everybody, okay. like, Look, I can't, I can't argue with it because I have been in and out. Like I've been in and out. Like I watched some of the Clone Wars and I would come back and then like Rebels caught me and then I would kind of be in and out. But every time someone describes it, like they'll describe an episode and, and half the time it's you. Like half the time it's Kofi because like he'll talk about an episode. I'm like, oh my God, I need to like go watch that right now. So yeah. like all these people will describe these and it's such a amazing thing to like watch a character grow and evolve and like they they really did that with ahsoka like it's amazing to see like they, where did, the that character... ahsoka. they did that with i mean going back and watching the early episodes like anakin skywalker like this series is the yeah. only one that really makes you like understand like why anakin skywalker was the man like why everybody thought he was going to be like the greatest jedi ever um why he was a hero of this war but also why he had these kind of really underlying dark side you know, tendencies that, that eventually do come, come out as Vader. Um, and it did a great job of just doing that, like in both those characters together. And like, yeah, I mean, Clone Wars is just next levels. I mean, and just seeing what they did with Maul, like talk about a yeah. character getting their due, like finally oh, yeah. getting their due. Like after yeah. everyone saw the cool design and the cool saber, and then it was like, oh, he's dead. And like to, and the comics did that a little bit. Like there are some really cool comics that have Maul in them, but like this was like really gave that character his due, and like finally, like no, this is what the character could be. Yes, yeah, and they did a great job. And Sam Witwer, the voice of Maul, did a, did a fantastic job with making that character so much more interesting over Clone Wars. The battles, the duels, like there are just so many that are just so great. And and like yeah, it's all on Disney Plus now. Like, I invite you just to sit down and just watch it. There's tons of articles. We have them on comicbook.com that tell you, even if you just want to hit the best arcs in the series, like the most interesting ones uh, or the most canon relevant ones, like all the big duels like Ahsoka and, you know, all that stuff and Anakin and times he met, you know, like Moff Tarkin when he was young and all that stuff is in there. So those are great arcs. Um, yeah, the Darth Maul stuff, like Asajj Ventress. Clone Wars, though, Dave Filoni and, his, and, and everybody who made that show. And the music this last season was just phenomenal. Me and JK were talking about it. Like, just the music in these last episodes, this kind of dark Revenge of the Sith, like, really kind of almost horror music-y stuff they do. It, it's really great. So, yeah, the power of that last episode was great. People are feeling the feels. I was. Um, and it really made it, – it really makes this whole story about – this guy's fall and becoming Vader feel actually like so much more tra tragic than the movies do. Um, so I, you got to check it out. I will oh, definitely yeah. do that. That's I will awesome. also say like Kofi said with Sam Witwer, uh, can we just uh, throw some, I'm going to throw some additional appreciation his way. The dude has given us the like definitive Darth Maul. I would say he's also my definitive uh, doomsday. Like his Smallville Doomsday is to me my favorite and the best interpretation of that character, period. Because he actually brought, he made him a character, not just this giant monster that shows up out of nowhere and was just like a way to kill <laughs> Superman. Like yeah. props, props for taking two characters that like <laughs> had were like, eh, and making them incredible. Yeah, no, he's done a good job and he doesn't deserve the hot water he's in right now for saying some stuff he said about The Last Jedi and whatnot. 
But yeah. uh, that's a different story. All right, so moving right along. A movie recommend real quick. Uh, people like horror, people like zombies around here. So we decided to give something to Janelle to watch. She was asking me like what she could watch for the show. And since she, we don't have any Walking Dead finale to speak of right now. Or so sad, yeah. Future. I recommended something I was way late to, way <laughs> late. But uh, I got to now, and I'm happy I did, which is uh, the Korean hit film Train to Busan, which is uh, still on Netflix at the moment. And it's a zombie horror film that, as you can hear, is set on a train going to a place <laughs> called Busan in Korea. Um, and basically what Train to Busan is, is uh, a story about a businessman who's kind of been neglecting his young daughter, but and to the point where she now wants to- They really hate thing. financial traders there. Yeah. Like he gets such a bad rap. Like they're so- As they should. Oh, you're a bloodsucker. Like they're, they, they yeah. hate him. That's <laughs> yeah. um, by what he so does for a living. Basically like, yeah. So he's going to take her because he's messed up her birthday. He's going to take her on the train to Busan to go see her mother. Uh, Cause they're separated or divorced. And so he's going to take her there. But as they get on the train in the background, and it's done really well that in the background of all this kind of family drama, they don't notice like the entire country is being overrun by a zombie outbreak. Um, and so as they get on this train with all these people and they pull out of the station, a, they don't know that it's like literally the last second before like a horde of zombies just comes and like, you know, just eradicates everybody at the station. So as they're, it's a modern Korean like super train and they have TVs and all that stuff and Wi-Fi. So as the train gets going, they begin to figure out that the country's falling under what looks like a mass infection uh, and nobody can figure out what's going on and, and society's kind of crumbling. And they're trying to keep it together on the train. But of course, some of the infected are already on the train. And so things go from bad to worse. Um, and the reason that it came out in 2016, so it's not a new movie. Uh, like I said, I was way late to it. I had heard about it, but I never checked it out because, uh, I mean, K-Horror was kind of still, this was one of the big, you know, big breakout hits. And K-Horror is now getting a lot of attention as Hollywood looks to uh, come and steal from it and make a bunch of remakes and do all that stuff. And this has been one that's been talked about for, for some time. It hasn't happened yet, but it's been talked about. But uh, it, it's a good one to kind of revisit now because what Train to Busan does is, you know, zombie, is, zombie stuff's only good if there's like actual social themes behind it. Like that's what Ramiro started like, and all that. So what Train to Busan quickly becomes as you watch it is less about zombie stuff, but how do people deal with kind of in in almost on the nose for where we're living right now something like a mass outbreak in a mass pandemic yeah because it's not really going hey you're going to the quarantine zone and it's yeah, the like, government is supposed to be quarantined yeah, the station yeah. and they get there's, off and they lost control of the quarantine yeah there's all this stuff about like quarantines um government and because it's korea there's also themes about like government transparency mm -hmm. and lies. oh yeah on the news they're like we don't believe you're in any immediate danger yeah and, and it's like all that stuff about like you know downplaying how bad the yep. problem is mm -hmm. um, people's inability to kind of accept that this is the the new status quo that society is gone and like we're now in survival mode and quarantine mode um, what happens when people begin to turn at each other because they think somebody may be infected, even though they don't have the facts and they're yep. like, I don't think you should be in here because you may be infected. And it's scary how much it, it actually is, is perfectly in step, like with the world we're living in right now. Right now. Yeah. Um, and, and what we're dealing with and just 
the level of just anxiety and paranoia and, and fear people have about everything from day-to-day contact with other people to yep. just society and what we're being told by the government or not told. And like, so, yeah, I mean, it's not going to make you feel better. <laughs> it's all the same. Like, it's also not yeah. going to make you freak out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to make you freak out, but it just feels yeah. timely. Like if you're just it's now good. discovering yeah. it, Four years later, this doesn't feel old. And it's it well done. Right, now. Yeah. right. And it's not dated. Like the production is great. Um, it, I liked something as simple as the very first scenes of the movie are literally a quarantine zone where you like this guy drives up and they're all in hazmat suits and they're spraying down the car. And they mention, like, oh, yeah, there was some biotech like leak or something and they're just like brushing it off like it's nothing even the guys that are working in the hazmat suits are like oh it's nothing and then it's really cool because a deer gets hit in the first scenes and it's a zombie deer and you know we're living in a time of zombie deers like you well, guys it gets know this hit, right it dies and then like the scene it is comes back to life and it is great like what janelle's saying it's it's a guy who is a blue collar worker in his truck and he and he's like you know, his basic whole, the opening monologue is him saying, this is going to screw up my business. Who cares yep. about all this? Like, I got to get to work. Like, I have real stuff to worry about. And so, like, he hits a deer and then he's like, oh, crap. And he drives off and he's like, oh, man. And then the deer, like, does this crazy, like, jerky, like, gets back uh, up. From so head. funny. That's the chronic yeah, wasting like, yeah. disease with the deer. I mean, we literally have zombie deers and people are still eating them right now <laughs> in the real yeah. world. Like, and what? so, like, basically, like, yeah, it gets back up. And so that's kind of sets the tone and that's what it's really about because yeah. the villain of the film is, is this guy who turns out to be like Ollie. He doesn't care about anybody else's well-being or anything. He's just trying to do whatever he has to do to take care of himself and screw everybody else. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, and like that. So it's more about how society holds together or not in these extreme situations. Um, yeah. How it makes you re-examine your values because business bro has to realize like <laughs> business bro stuff doesn't really matter anymore. Um, yeah and the walkers or the sorry that's the walking dead the zombies are are really cool like they're they're frightening yeah some of the walking dead they're 28 day later like fast yeah they're fast they're aggressive i love like not not like yeah not like you're gone for two minutes and like no it's like they're so good at that like like, twisting like contorting like it's just Uh, it's very well done we're very well acted and it's like also like snowpiercer which is also from a korean director but like there, there is no, there's a blessed simplicity. Like we have to go from car A to car B and there's no way to do that except go through car C, which is full of <laughs> zombies. And how are we getting through car C? And like, yeah, that's, that's where C. I am right yeah. now. Oh my gosh. That's so great. So, yeah. So train to Busan's good to check out. I'm not going to take too much time up, but mm-hmm. uh, check that out. If you're looking for something that is a great horror movie that actually says something that actually speaks to today. Uh, right. right. And so, Matt, Streets of Rage, talking about real-life stuff. <laughs> talking about the scene outside your grocery store or Home Depot. What are you talking about? Uh, talking about Streets of Rage 4, uh, the sequel to the hit Sega Genesis uh, series that, gosh, that kind of defined, like, if you say 90s, you think Streets of Rage. And uh, this one is I think Final a- Fight, dog. Well, Final Fight 2. Final Fight 2, yes, absolutely. Uh, Streets of Rage, though, um, this one is a, like, not, I wouldn't say budget, uh, I would say well, perfectly priced, like $25 game. So it's not a full $60 game. It's perfect for that traditional beat up style, which this brings back. It's very much the game you remember. Uh, they streamlined some special moves and, and everything feels really crisp. Uh, so it has like modern mechanics, but it is still like 
you're picking up crowbars, you're picking up giant turkeys <laughs> laying on the ground, you're picking up <laughs> apples and like getting health and you're throwing so knives cool. and tasers and stuff like that. Um, it's very much that classic style. What I will say is it's absolutely gorgeous. Like if you've seen screenshots it of this game. It looks like a comic book. Yeah, it's it looks so like a pretty. cartoon, like a straight Ugh. up animated cartoon come to life. Like those wow. old games... I look extremely dated, especially because of the sprites used and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Um, this, and what's great is that you can unlock in this game uh, the old characters from like all the other games, and they're uh, done in their sprite pixel based, or, sorry, their pixel based oh versions. That's really so cool. You have these like crazy, awesome looking characters in the new one, and then you have fighting right next to you the straight up old pixel blocky characters from I the love open. that yeah it's cool it's a really it very much feels like a love letter to fans of the original there's actually uh, a couple different instances where you have to do something very specific you essentially have to take like a taser and uh, there's arcade units spread out through certain levels if you take a taser to the arcade unit you are entered into a retro level from the original game that's pretty bomb that's yeah pretty and so you play through that you only get one life so if you die anywhere in there you're sent right back out to the regular world and then you can't like complete it until like you try again through the next playthrough but it's stuff like that there's characters from the original game that you can unlock it it touches on the story which <laughs> there was a very light story uh, about like organization x and this one is like organization y i mean it's not gonna break the break your brain it's not westworld it's not gonna break your brain on story and stuff uh but it's very like it's perfectly priced it feels really good you can beat it in about three hours like three and a half if you're pushing it like you can probably honestly beat it quicker than that um but it for new players it has four uh player co-op local and then it has two online um so it really is i mean for the price point it's really fun and it, and it plays really well it's gorgeous it's a perfect game for longtime fans and if you've got someone new who just wants to break into a, a new game it's the perfect thing to hand a controller to and go here's what you do you punch you kick you do a couple of special moves and that's it it's it's a blast so for the price point and everything i really enjoyed it you can check out my full review on uh, combook.com yeah. all right now close this out with comics because we gotta get out of here yeah, so uh, first thing real quick before we get into new comics, um, me and Janelle have been talking about, you know, where we did the Doctor Strange list and she's uh, working way, her way through there. We'll have an update uh, next time on like her status there. But we're going to start kind of doing like showing these lists. We've gotten a lot of requests to like put the list somewhere so that people can kind of follow along and kind of dive in with us. So we're going to start doing other characters. So uh, if you've got a recommendation, if you want to see Captain America, for instance, or Iron Man, or some of the uh, characters that, you know, D-list characters that I love, <laughs> if you want to see like deep yeah. dives on those characters, let us know, hit us up, uh, use the comic book, uh, nation hashtag or just hit us up on our personal accounts but let us know what characters you'd like to see and we'll definitely kind of keep those uh, in the flow but uh real quick on comics so we're finally getting new comics this wednesday we're gonna get dc is gonna be the really only one doing regular like releases both physical and digitally uh so you'll be able to get a handful of titles they're holding back some so like the next issue of batman's not coming till june but you are going to be able to get a few books so uh batman and the outsiders number 12 uh flash number 753 green lantern season two number three uh hawkman 24 
uh, Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity, number four. Uh, Lost Carnival, which is their part of their new, uh, I always call it DC Inc. It's not that anymore, but uh, it's essentially their like YA line of graphic novels. Uh, they've been spectacular. So this one focuses on Nightwing. Uh, we also have My Video Game Ate My Homework, uh, which is another in that line. Uh, and then we have Young Justice Volume 1, uh, which is the Brian Michael Bendis, uh, very fun series. So you can get Volume 1. That's new books this week. Updating for the rest of the month, though, we're going to actually get to a point where we have new books from all the publishers. So it uh, looks like everybody, let's see, we've got Image, Aftershock, Boom, IDW, Dark Horse, and Marvel uh, will all be coming on the 20th. Uh, there is one uh, publisher that is doing them on the, it might actually be Marvel, uh, is doing them on the 27th. Um, so they're bumping it out just a, another week. Uh, but most of the publishers are going to at least have one, if not a few books, physically in stores uh, and digitally uh, on May 20th. So we will actually then really start getting like our normal. That's exciting. Books. Yeah. But yeah. DC right now is going to be kind of the books we get for over the next few weeks. So that right. is comics. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Comic Book Nation. I want to thank everybody for coming on and uh, hanging out with us as we continue through this quarantine life uh, segment of the show. Thank you to Janelle Wheeler. Thank you to Matthew Aguilar. <laughs> that was because I didn't know what I was going to say next. But now, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kofi. Uh, welcome. That was a fake thank you. That was, just, <laughs> that was like a time. That Fair was enough. a stalling. That uh, was a stalling. Thank you. Thank you. Professional thank you. podcaster. Yes. Uh, that was actually really great. It was smooth. Yeah, that's how I do it. Just got pleasantries. <laughs> pleasantries get you all kind of out of all kinds of trouble. Uh, if you're just now getting into the show because you've been on lockdown and haven't had anything better to do, that's okay. We'd love to have you. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about the show. Or you should probably subscribe to us in your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, iHeartRadio. You can also find episodes of the show on the comicbook.com YouTube page. If you want to hit us up about any topics you want to see discussed, anything you want to talk to us about, or just any reactions you have to anything you heard in the show, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler, Twitch, and all the other socials. And you can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. That'll do it for this edition of the show. Uh, we're still not back in the office, but as I said, the offer still stands. We're going to do a major t-shirt giveaway when we get back into the office. We do them to people who leave five-star reviews on iTunes. So when we get back to the office eventually after this pandemic, after we flatten this curve, we are going to go in. We're going to be reading a big, appreciative, long list of reviews and send a bunch of people some T-shirts. So go on iTunes, leave those five-star reviews, and uh, when we get back in, we can hopefully send you yours. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us on Comic Book Nation. We will be back every Wednesday, every Friday to hold you guys down during quarantine. See you then. Peace. This is...